DJ and PK, it's time to welcome in Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver. He joins us right now on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular or hosting subscription. Visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Dylan, good morning. Good morning, fellas. How we doing? Good. You were jealous, weren't you? You were watching those offenses go up and down the field. Why couldn't I have one more year of eligibility? Everybody. A <laughs> touchdown pass for you, a touchdown pass for you. Everybody gets a touchdown pass. It was a basketball game out there. Yeah, it really was. When you look at this offense, they had the breakthrough game, obviously, but you know, it's been fairly consistent this year. Uh, how much do you credit uh, somebody like Aaron Roderick? And I believe you played for him. He wasn't necessarily the coordinator then, but you still know about him and in terms of his impact on this offense. Uh, I think if, if you look at the overall stride that has been made in the last year and a half, two years, where you saw an uptick in the amount of points that BYU was able to put up, you saw uh, a more consistent level of I guess just, you know, offensive strength coming from BYU. Um, I, I would give a lot of that credit to, to A-Rod. Um, the guy is, he's an unbelievable coordinator. He's extremely brilliant in, in the football sense and, um, you know, was, has really just been a game changer for, for BYU and, and even more specifically, he's been a game changer for Kalani. Why is it hard to get some players into their right position? Someone as good as Tyler Algier, uh, how come there's no hype and he's not the running back the day he steps on campus? That's honestly, it's it's a really, really good question. I think there's a a mix of pride between coaches and pride between players, right? In, In what you're willing to play and what you're willing to be. I think if you look at what a lot of guys, I mean, you see it mainly in the quarterback position, right, where guys aren't willing to make that type of change um, and they're not willing to be that type of player. And then, you know, then you look at what development is like. Tyler was not the size he was um, and didn't, you know, hadn't really grown into his body his freshman year at BYU when he walked on, right? And so uh, when you look at a few of those different aspects, you kind of start to see, okay, you know, what do these guys play? What position do they play? Where do they best fit? And sometimes it takes a few years to genuinely be able to see exactly uh, where they're the most optimal. And luckily, Tyler grew up and is, is optimal on both sides of the ball, which is a special feature to have. Yeah, and it's been an incredible success story, and <clears throat> looks like it's going to continue on into the NFL. How about the other side? How many times have you seen guys that were good enough, but for whatever reason, exclude injury because that that can be mm-hmm. something that's beyond your control. But things that you can control, as far as basically not having enough heart or determination or whatever you want to phrase it, and basically waste their talent. Uh, uh every. Every day, all day, that's probably – you talk to a lot of guys and you are a part of a lot of different programs. 
you see that more often than not. Um, there's a reason that people are on scholarship or have been given the capability to play at the highest level, uh, but then aren't able to capitalize. And a lot of that is due to their drive, their work ethic, what goes on off the field and their, their amount of focus. Um, because there are a lot of guys out there that are extremely, extremely talented. Probably some of the most talented players I've ever been around uh, that are now not playing football simply because they just didn't didn't add up the uh, amount of success that they could have. Is this right now the reason everyone should embrace the Big 12 and wish it would get here even faster. BYU's having a good season. It's really intriguing. But now it's guaranteed win, by week guaranteed win, probable win to finish the year. I, I don't know. I, I, don't think, I don't think it's, hey, let's get it here today. I think the amount of time left in the independent scheduling system, right, um, leaves a lot of time for more growth and a lot of time for games that may not be played ever again, right? And so to me, I think that's huge. I think that's exciting and fun, and it kind of leaves you that opportunity to, to play those types of games on a regular basis. Um, I think the anticipation is also good, right, to continue to build that and not have it just be a one-step, hey, here we all are. Yeah, I agree with that, actually, because you could be playing Kansas this week and expect to beat them by 35. And to me, I think for basketball, I just assume they get out of the West Coast Conference or play Gonzaga 12 times and Uh get on with it and get to where they're going to play these better teams because I think the program is ready and... I would love to see it start now. I got to go through two seasons of the West Coast Conference that I'm not looking forward mm-hmm. to. But at the same time, football wise, I think it's important in many aspects for the team to the program to prepare itself to where it needs to be. And it has, right. I think, the two year lead in gives them plenty of time to get to where they need to be. They could probably be competitive this year, although they weren't all that competitive against Baylor, and Baylor may end up being certainly one of the better, if not the best team, we'll find out. But I like the fact that they got a couple years in football because I think there's some work that they need to do to get better, and the fact with the missions and all, basically every kid that you're Mm -hmm. recruiting now who goes on a mission is a Big 12 recruit. Right, right. And I think that, that comparison is the best comparison you make just because of the amount of guys that are expected to be on the field, right? <laughs> With the basketball team, you only have 15 guys that you need to have ready. And right now, you can make that switch in a year. If you look at what Pope has done in the last two years with the basketball team, he's completely flipped the program in terms of talent upside down. So they're ready, exactly like you're saying. Whereas the football cycle is much, much different, and there's a lot more uh, time, right? There's a lot more runway for coaches to build a program in a football environment due to the amount of people, right, the amount of scholarships, the amount of guys, the amount of resources that you need to get aligned, and that all takes, you know, that's why you have guys who get three to four to five years, especially in a group of five, and maybe not in the SEC, but a group of five, they're getting that type of runway to build out. 
Which position group needs the runway the most for BYU? Uh, defensive back. Yeah. 100%. Um, I think the depth of this position is not in a place that is going to achieve, right, the most. <laughs> like, how are they going to be able to keep up athletically with Big 12 receivers and Big 12 skill talent in terms of depth? Right, the first deep, even a couple of the extra guys, but when you know, you need you need three levels of talent to be able to keep up with those uh, with those athletes. Yeah, I would agree with that, uh, and I think they've gotten better at that, uh, but it's still a process. I'm interested to see in how they go as far as recruiting because we know where recruiting is strong for BYU, the state of Utah, Arizona, California, you know, Idaho, Nevada. But uh, where is it going to go once they get in? My thought is that the first thing I do, if uh, maybe Klein's already done it, is put as much emphasis and as much financial resource into Texas as possible. Yep. You think that's the way? Uh, 100%. I, I think if you if you hang out in the panhandle, right, uh, and you make Texas and, and you make Florida a, a key place for recruiting, and the one resource that you're going to need to do that is you're going to need a coach that is experienced in that area. So either bringing on another coach or a you guys that are a part of the Big 12 staffs right now um, that you can say, hey, we're going to put money not necessarily in your, right, it's a college football coach key, but, you know, we're not putting a ton of money into your ability to coach football. We're putting our money into your ability to recruit. Um, and, you know, I think that you, you've got to be able especially in this conference, we're not going to be able to hang out in even just California, right? Like, can't hang out in just California, can't hang out in just Texas and Nevada. You need to make your presence known and go have a huge impact in Big 12 territory. Dylan Dylan Colley joining us, former BYU wide receiver. How big is the gap to upgrade talent off what you saw in the Baylor game? I think I don't think talent is is really it. I think it is. It goes to really size um, and and dominance from the box, right? And I think did do we have our best guys on the field today? No, right? Especially when it comes to that box. No, don't get me wrong. Baylor clearly dominated that game. Like, there's no questions asked. Like, that was that was uh, not what we had all seen the last, you know, first six weeks of the, uh, of the season. I think really it's going to come down to the to the size of the box and the athletic ability there to really be able to answer that talent gap uh, for 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 groups like Baylor, right, where you get a lot of farm-fed country boys who are out there and just can physically and naturally dominate the man across from them. 
want to go back to that assistant coach stuff. I think we had, uh, I don't know if we had him on the show, but Norm, I remember Norm Chow saying mm-hmm. basically you just need uh, your coordinators to coach and the other guys recruit. Uh, you've been recruited. You've been coached by assistant coaches, position coaches. Uh, where do you stand on the assistant coach's ability to coach from a technical standpoint as opposed to recruiting? Yeah, I think I think in today's game that my opinion has changed. Whereas before, I was very heavily set on you need to be a technical head coach along with the ability to recruit. Um, as we see the amount of really, you know, time that's spent on individual trainers, right? The time that's spent on outside resources for individual players, I think the recruiting has now become far more important uh, from the assistants. And, you know, that technical prowess can kind of be solved outside of the locker room or even within, you know, the, the offensive coordinators. My big thing is that if you look at, for instance, uh, I forget the, the coach's name, but Alabama's, I think, running backs coach. Right, Alabama's running backs coach. He's got like four or five guys in his room, but he's making almost you know six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars a year as an assistant coach, assistant position coach, because he's the number one recruiter in the nation. Right, and so it's obviously a huge priority to have, you know, your recruiting capabilities and have the assistant, you know, coaching capabilities just kind of be a uh, afterthought. How would your folks react if you or your brother or whoever was in a recruiting situation and the coach you were recruiting was involved in a Halloween monkey biting incident through a significant other? <laughs> That's, uh, uh, we would no longer be recruited by that coach. Um, <laughs> if, if, it was, if it was a position coach especially, uh, you know, I think uh, – if you're getting bit by monkeys on Halloween, uh, it says one thing about you. If you're getting by, bit by your girlfriend's uh, monkey, uh, who was in a previous industry, um, I think you really got things going. So I don't think we'd last long in that conversation. Yeah, and I'm uncomfortable with this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I, tried, hey, I tried to make it as comfortable as possible. <laughs> Oh, man. All right, well, we'll leave it right there. Dylan, we appreciate the time. We're not going to ask you what's going to happen the next three weeks because I think we all know how it's going to play out. But Thanksgiving weekend at the Coliseum, maybe that'll be interesting. We'll look forward to that. We'll talk to you again, Dylan. Thanks a lot. Yep, talk to you. Bye. Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver, joins us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We got tickets to see the Utah Jazz and the Sacramento Kings tonight. And we got a couple tickets. We're going to give them away on the other side of this break. 9.30. Stay with us. DJ and PK, get you up to speed on everything you missed. The NFL, the NBA, the Jazz. It's all on the way next with the Jazz tickets on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.